This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 584 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by ProStride. On tonight's episode, we are really pleased to be joined by U.S. team rider Casey Perry Glass, as well as Patty Mayer is going to join us to discuss the Intermediate 2, and we'll get a trainer tip about how practicing yoga can help your riding. Reese Scoffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to Dressage Radio Show. Hi there, Phil. How are you tonight? <laughs> I'm kind of tired, but good. I know. <laughs> you're you're shipped into a horse show. Yeah, we shipped yes. into a horse show today. It's crazy. It's, I love uh, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a good day, but the horses <laughs> have not shown in over a year. Over a year, yeah. So it's a little wild, and there's lots of <laughs> lots of changes to the horse show about uh, you know COVID uh, situations. So just adjusting to that a little bit, and 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 those kinds of things. So it's it it was a good day. What what not a great day, but uh, <laughs> a long day. So yeah. I bet. I bet. Well, and you've been prepping, um, you know, obviously Canada had different regulations in the U S and, and depending on where you are in the world, listening to the show, I'm sure your countries have all, uh, different protocol and it is different to show you have to wear masks and we've been showing a little bit this summer. Uh, but we had some news actually then in the States, our U S finals were canceled. Um, they were canceled. An email out went out this morning, actually. So we do have people that are actually out at their regionals. So the, if if you want more information, there is more information on the USDF website. But um, what they're basically saying is that if you qualify in the 2020 season, you will then be eligible for the 2021 U.S. Dressage Finals at that time. You will have to do some declarations, and they're working on that now. Uh, We're not going to go through the whole email, um, but... There was an email that went out to all the members today, uh, and again, all that's been posted on the on the USCF website, on the US Dressage website finals. So, unfortunately, you know, it's it's an unfortunate event. I think we're all feeling this, um, and uh, I feel badly for, um, you know, it's just it's just a bad situation. So, of course, USTF feels terrible, um, and and they really are very regretful that the finals have been canceled. So um, again, check out more information and I'm sure more information will be coming out. If you are at your regional finals, we wish you all the best of luck um, and to get something, something out of this year. And, and Phil, we really, really hope that the horse show goes well. We can't wait to hear about it. So <laughs> I hope yeah, so too. it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> it'll be, it'll fine. be- It'll be good. It'll be, it's probably nice just to get the show closed out and get the horses out at least before your winter season comes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're very happy. We're very grateful that they've decided to run this show and we're just, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're not going to have the best rides, but we're, we're going to have fun and we're going to be out there and we're going to be doing our best. So I think that's, that's how we're kind of looking at it. Yeah. Um, I think you have to have to look at it reasonably, but we also have a really cool event that's coming up, right? Yeah, I uh, have to remind everybody about the Eco Gold Dressage Symposium. Uh, this is a virtual event. It'll be on Zoom. 
Saturday 26 from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. This is being hosted by EcoGold, so you can go to ecogold.ca and uh, find out information. Um, the event is for all levels, and the clinicians are Olympian Jacqueline Brooks, another Canadian, Shannon Duick, and Elise Jordan Gunderson. Um, it should be a really fun event. We, I, we were uh, just learned about it last week, but uh, the cost is $195, but the first 50 registrants get the free EcoGold saddle pad. So if you haven't signed up already, do it right away because you want to be one of those first uh, 50 people. The saddle pads, the EcoGold saddle pads are, I think, the best there are out there they are they're rather expensive and so getting a free one is a big deal it's not just any saddle pad um but again we're going to post the links in our show notes but basically ecogold.ca you can find out more information fantastic it sounds like a great event and as always we're trying to bring everybody really good events and, and things to be doing uh in during quarantine or or as things maybe you're not out as much and you can really look at some different ways of learning and and all and this is just a fantastic event well we have really a treat for you we've done this interview already uh and it was just it's probably one of my favorite interviews we've done we've got a great interview with casey perry glass brought to you by ProStride, and we hope you enjoy well, tonight, we are so excited about our guest. She truly does not need any introduction, and we are so happy she is brought to you by Owl Manor and ProStride. We have Casey Perry-Glass. She was the member of Bronze Medal Team in Rio in 2016 and the WEG in 2018. She was the silver medalist. Casey, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to come on here and, and chat it up. I know we are so happy to have you. And we were just chatting before we got online and, and I have no experience with fires, but you were just talking about what's been happening to you in the fires. And, and can you just get us started? How are you doing? What does that mean for you guys and your horses? All the good stuff. Yeah, it's um, being in California. It's unfortunately become a normal thing with all of our fires that are happening and uh, about this time of year. So We've come quite um, adaptive with it, I guess, I guess you can say. And um, we just really keep an eye. Main thing is, is to keep an eye on um, the air quality. I mean, we have an app that tells us exactly what the air quality is. And, um, you know, we still try to get them out and at least walk them, um, you know, because our barn is pretty airy. So you can't really vent the barn, you know, as well as you would like. But um, we try to keep them in their normal routine without any work. If the air quality is above uh, 100 or 150 and we try to spray down the barn, the, the aisles, put fans on and just, you know, try to get as much circulation in the, in the barn as possible. So they're, they're not breathing in as much of the smoke as um, is in the air. Um, it was really bad for a couple of days. We had air quality up to, uh, I think it was four, 50 one day and the index only goes up to 500. So it was really intense <laughs> and probably Megan and I probably shouldn't have been outside. Um, but you know, these horses, they need our attention. You know, we have to feed them and, and do our normal taking care of them. So we, you know, try to protect ourselves as much as we can also, but, um, it, it was just devastating here in California. I had their, the fires. I mean, it just so many acres were burned. And I think we actually made history with how many acres burned 
uh, this year. So, and wow. the heat was bad. I mean, it was like a hundred, 120 in some areas, 110 where we were, you know, so just really keeping an eye on these horses was our, our top priority, um, in making sure we don't exhaust them in any way possible. So, and, and do you have an evacuation plan? I mean, how do you do that? Like, I don't, again, don't have any experience with that. Um, luckily where I'm at, I'm inland, um, in like close to Sacramento. So I'm pretty city, um, where we're at. So, um, uh, we don't, we don't really have to worry about these fires coming into us because there's so much structure around us. Um, unless there was a, a big fire at our facility, which thank goodness we've never had knock on wood, but you know, having an evacuate anywhere you go, anywhere that has any kind of disasters, you have to think about how you're going to get out. And I would recommend if you don't have a trailer, recommend lining someone up that is close to you that could come at a moment's notice, um, whether it's a, a shipping company or friends that have enough trailers, you know, just having those conversations with people around you um, so that you have a plan. And yeah, it's, it's difficult. And especially like hurricanes, you have a little bit more time to prepare. Fires can kind of just happen, you know, real mm-hmm. fast. And, um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing to manage for sure. 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 It, it's, it's so scary. It's just, we've been, you know, thinking of everyone in California and, and Oregon and Washington. So yeah, thank yeah. you for that advice. I mean, that's, it's fantastic advice. And um, this summer you had kind of a sad, but also exciting mm-hmm. in a way Dublé retired. I'm sure that was full of mixed emotions. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, you know, it is, it's, it's definitely mixed emotions and, and living in it is uh, a lot harder, um, than people I think realize. I think it's, um, it's one of those things where you really, you have to put your own ego and ambition aside. And, um, I think for us humans and, and especially the really ambitious and dedicated and type A personality kind of people, it's hard to do that. And we think that these, you know, these horses are going to, you know, compete forever. And, and I had to really take a good look at, you know, Dublay and his, his body and his mental awareness and, you know, how he is emotionally and the whole picture and say, you know, with this, this pushback of the Olympics, is it his best interest to go for a whole another year of competing. And it just wasn't in his best interest. And he's done everything for me. And, um, it was a, it was a hard decision, but I, I was so lucky and blessed to to have, you know, my team believe the people that are behind me and behind you play who they knew the moment that I said, you know, let's, let's not push for it. They knew I would, I was going to do it for the right reasons and, and for him. So we all made that decision as a team and it was really hard. And, you know, putting out mm-hmm. that, I, Megan, the girl that works for me, um, you know, we were sitting on the, the barn aisle floor that day and I was, I knew I was going to do it that day. And, um, it just, I, I had to have her push post because I was like, this makes it official. Like this makes it, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's not competing anymore. And, you know, having that fear of well, what comes next and, you know, are people going to forget about him or, you know, it, I'm going to have 
FOMO, you know, for next mm-hmm. year and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, that you emotionally have to deal with after. And, um, but you know, once I, once I, I made the decision and posted about it, I was like, you know what? He, he's enjoying his life. He is happy. He is healthy. I can still ride him. Um, I can still enjoy him. And, you know, he's going to come with me to Florida and, you know, he's still moving. And, and I think that what some, sometimes we run into is it's people pushing it past what the horse can do physically and just to achieve that goal. And I personally would rather have a horse that I can look at and say, he is a whole healthy horse, you know? And, um, that was a big thing for me when I wanted to retire him. So I had to put my own, my own greed and everything Mm -hmm. aside for, for that. But much better now. It was a little rough for a month, but much better now. Well, yeah, for for sure, you know, commendable and, um, you know, but I'm sure that you have some other horses or you've got a plan because you got to have a plan. So maybe you can yeah. tell us a little bit about that. And I think we saw uh, at last year's USDF the symposium, you, you know, uh, another horse that you were bringing along that was uh, maybe doing small tour or working towards Inter 2 or something. So maybe, maybe tell us a yeah. little bit about what's going on now. Yeah. I mean, you guys caught me at like a very pivotal, pivotal time. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, feel like, I feel like there's just so much happening in my life right now and, and um, where my direction with this next journey is going to be. And I do have two amazing horses um, right now in my barn. I have Mystico, who I rode in the USDF symposium. And I love that horse. Um, he's training up to the Grand Prix and he has been a, a very challenging project for me. Had some soundness issues uh, for a couple years and now he's in full full work and training up to the Grand Prix and he's just like my unicorn. I mean, he might not be like, he might not make it team stuff, you know, but he's he's special to me and um, he will be in the, the international ring and potential for world cups or, or maybe even nation cups, um, those kind of things. And I'm really excited about him, but I also have, um, a eight year old who I bought a couple of years ago from Andrea Helgestrand and, um, she's a spicy little character, but she, she's beautiful. Um, I think that she's going to be my next, my next team horse, um, for sure. And, um, just taking it slow with her and, and just training her up in a, in a way where I can really channel her, her brain in a good way. Cause she, she's hot and she's spooky and she is, she can be tense. And, um, so I've kind of had to back off a little bit with her and, you know, go back to the just retraining, reprogramming bits and pieces. But, um, I have that. And then, um, Dana, my husband and I are looking to possibly relocate um, out of California and more on the East coast by next summer. And we're really excited about that. Um, started a business of housing some foals for friends and, and kind of building our own pipeline. And he's amazing at what he does. And I think that we need to capitalize on that in the sense of working together as a team. You know, he's really good at the young horse breaking problem horses and I can bring them up, um, after him we're doing that. Um, so it's just, there's just a lot of things that are kind of opening up after, 
after retiring Dublé. You know, it's kind of like you get into this routine of being on a team and, you know, you kind of have to stay put in your career at that point and focus solely on that journey. And, um, and that's what it was like for me. So now that I'm like shifting my focus to my other horses, I'm, I'm, my eyes are opening to so many different opportunities that I can grow my business and, um, and my family. So that was a lot. I'm sorry. I, I no, that, I mean, that, 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 that was perfect, but, um, maybe, maybe you could just talk a little bit about, I mean, because everybody, you know, riders, you know, coming up and dreaming of being on a team have this, you know, yeah. a vision of, of what it's like. But I think, I think it's a lot harder than people realize that when, when you're, you know, representing us or Canada or, you know, any of the nations, like you have to put a hundred percent of yourself into that. And yeah. you can't be thinking about other things. You, I mean, because your focus is just, and you're going back and forth to Europe or you've got to go down to Rio or all over the world. And I think, I think that's harder than some people realize. Um, yeah. Yeah, it for sure is. And um, for, for example, um, my husband and I got married in 2015, right before we started campaigning for Rio. And at that point, I've only been over to Europe one time um, for the Pan Am tour that I did. And we did Rio and we were there for a long time in Europe. And at that point, like my husband and I were not talking and I was a poor communicator because I was so focused on the job that I was doing in Europe. You know, I was so focused on everything outside of that facility that we were at stopped. Like I, I could not focus on anything else besides Dublin and keeping him healthy and keeping myself sane, <laughs> you know, cause we were cooped mm-hmm. up in mm-hmm. a hotel room and you pretty much go, you wake up and you go to the barn. We all did our stalls ourselves. Um, we tacked up our horses, we had our lessons and then we had maybe like three hours, two hours and Adrian and, or, um, my sister and I, she was with me we went and worked out. And, um, that was my only thing that like kept me sane. I felt like, and then we go back and we make sure our horses are still healthy, <laughs> you know, cause it, yeah. your, your main focus is, is literally keeping your horse happy and healthy and sound. And, you know, sometimes you forget about focusing on yourself, but you have to, because you're in an isolated situation and, um, you know, it's a little bit like this COVID stuff, you know, it's like, you're just, you just feel, you get that panicky isolation feeling like you just don't, you start to, your brain starts to wander and, and you start to get a little bit depressed here and there. And you just have to really know how to build yourself out of that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot harder, I think, than people think it is unless you're, unless you are, you know, you're just a freak of nature, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> Laura Gray, like Laura is a, like a freak, freak of nature. You know, she is just, she, she's got her, her, she just is, she, she's able to manage her emotions in that way. And I know that it was hard for me to see that because I was like, well, I must be crazy because I'm just having a hard time. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm having a hard time keeping things straight and like, you know, not, you know, it's just, it's difficult. And, uh, but I had to take a step back and tell myself that, no, I'm just, I'm just an emotion. I'm, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve 
and that's just who I am and had to learn how to um, build my confidence and build my strength in it. Um, So, yeah, and there's a lot of pressure with um, with doing your job, you know, going out there and and competing well for your team and competing well for your country. And um, and, you know, we had a lot of pressure on us because we were good and, um, you know, so it's, it is, but, um, again, that comes with being a professional athlete. You, you have to zone in and you have to forget about that pressure and go out and just do your job. Well, and I think that that's such a good thing to say about your relationship. I mean, that's hard thing. I think trainers have this where, you know, the balance with your, your significant other isn't there or it, you know, there's just, there can't be there. And I think that that's so hard. And, and I think just something that everybody should, should remember, you know, that, that you have a life, you have a husband that you love and you guys do other things outside of horses. And, but to, to, to have that pressure and still have that relationship is, is unbelievably difficult. And that has come out now with a lot of riders that have said that, like, this is, this is hard and uh, you're in your way from your family and you're, oh, it's, 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 yeah, it it it's looks amazing and wonderful, but when you're the one packing yeah. the trailer and then you know and up in the middle of the night with the horses, like yeah. Luckily, I I got Megan, um, the girl that works for me now, and I've had a, I had a, one previous room um, from her, but so I've I really I was thinking about it when I started with Megan um, when I hired her. I was like, wow, I really haven't had like one full day off in like feels like ever, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was in Idaho, I was tending to the horses every day or half a day at least. And so, um, you know, I have a very, very patient husband and he's also involved in horses. Um, and he went through his own struggles when I went to, to, to Rio and that was a really hard, hard year for us. But I think that after that, we, we let each, we let each other go through our emotions and we work through it together. And he knew that it was my passion and he knew that this was what I wanted to do. And he supported me. And, um, so I'm very lucky, very lucky to have him. So it's, it's hard. I mean, to balance life and family and everything, it's, it's hard, but you know, the people who matter stick around. So you know, and as long as you treat them right when, when they are around, I think that, you know, people understand. So you lose friends. I lost a lot of friends, you know, like, yeah, cause I sure. don't, I never talked to them. And, um, and then after Rio, some of them popped back up again, <laughs> randomly. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation, but there's a lot of, mm-hmm. of, of pros with it too. So, um, it's sure. not all difficult. Sure. Sure. And I'm sure one of the things that you learned was, um, how to, how to keep a horse at the highest level just has so many management challenges. Can you tell yeah. us how that, how you, how you worked with that? Um, well, I think why, I think what a lot of these, um, these riders, you have to trust your instincts. Um, and 
I'm still working with that. Like I'm still trying to trust my instincts, but when you feel something, it's better to say something before it becomes a problem. I always annoy my vet because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think there's something going on here. And, um, and then she'll come out and look at him and be like, wow, you actually caught something very, very early on. Like this could have been a serious issue. So I think that really trusting your instincts and what you're feeling under tack and what you're feeling or what you're seeing in their stalls. And if something's not quite right, I think it's super important. And, um, and honestly, like we, I switched over when I started working with Dr. Mitchell, Rick Mitchell, um, a couple years ago with Dublay, he introduced, uh, ProStride, Alamander ProStride, um, to me and it was a miracle worker for Dublay. I mean, I have to say that we never used steroids on him after that. And I was so grateful because it, steroids make me nervous. <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. know, like yeah. You, yeah. any, any injection makes me nervous, but you like, they can have some serious complications with, with steroids. And, um, so for Dr. Mitchell to, to introduce something that was equally as beneficial to Dublay and actually better because it promotes healing and recovery and it, it really heals them from the inside. Um, Sarah, you're just kind of band-aiding and taking some inflammation away. He introduced that to me and I was like, oh, we never, we never looked back with Dublay. It worked wonders for him. And um, so I was very grateful for that. And I have a very close relationship with, um, with Al Manor and um, I, they, they helped Dublay get through his career. And, um, so, you know, and I also used, um, ProStride with Utopia, my, my mare who had, um, an injury behind her knee, um, that probably shouldn't have recovered. And we did ProStride on, um, that ligament once a month for, for four months, I think it was. And she's now like, completely healed and working and can compete at top level because she's healed. And it's just amazing what that product can do. So definitely if you haven't heard of it, you need to look into it because it's, it's worth it for sure. Yeah. I think people need to, I mean, if their vet doesn't give them the option to just, just ask like, you know, what about pro stride? Would that be something that would be beneficial for my horse. And, and, you know, you just yeah. need to have conversations with your vet. Um, and maybe, and maybe for the vet's sure. not, not recommended it, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons. But I think that people just need to be aware of, of all of the options that could be yeah. available I, to them. Yeah. That because and I think you bring up a really good point. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think you oh. brought up a really good point in the sense, like that's another thing that is, is so, um, not used in our, in our industry between vets and riders. Um, and I think that the communication needs to be there for everything. Mm-hmm. Like you need to feel like you can ask your vet questions and, you know, really challenge what is, what is happening with your horse and, and why this is happening. Can I do anything better for this not to happen? Like what kind of therapy can I do? Ask the questions. It's like advocating for your own body, right? You know, you go yeah. into a, into a doctor and they say, you know, you have this and you're like, but why? And you know, what's the treatment? Is there alternative treatment? Like, you know, and find out, like you said, all your options. 
Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and being able to say that to your veterinarian and something's not right. That is so, that's such an important statement. And it, because we aren't veterinarians, we're riders and we're trainers, but we work with these horses so closely. So to be able to say like, it's not right. And have your vet listen. Uh, I've had some vets say, Oh, you're just crazy. And uh, no, something's different. Something's wrong. Something or something doesn't look right. Or, you know, you have to be able to have that relationship and you have that right you have that right as well. So, well, yeah, yeah, I think just it's, it's all about teamwork. You know, Mm -hmm. riders need to work with veterinarians that need to work with farriers and like, we're all kind of specialists in our, in our fields. Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, open communication and just, um, you know, figure out a training problem is not always for the rider to fix. It it can be a a hoof issue or, or a, a vet issue that could just, help us help us help the horses and uh, i think yeah. for the most part they they want to do a good job and and when when things aren't happening or things aren't right we got to work together to figure it out as a team yeah Absolutely. for sure and i'm i'm a google warrior <laughs> i i drive my vet crazy because i'm like well i heard that this could happen and you know so like i i really ch- and bless my vet dr carol holland is the best vet I feel like ever because she just, I send her a question and, or a video of Utopia or when I'm, whatever horse I'm concerned about. And I say, is this normal? Or do you see anything? Or, um, you know, we are struggling with possible metabolic issues with Dublay and I, you know, would ask her questions about it. And, you know, it, it's, sometimes you don't want to overload your vet, but knowledge is like gold. Like, I feel like you, you might not struggle with this with one horse, but you might struggle with it with another horse or, you know, the more you educate yourself and, and I still have issues. That I'm like, well, I've never seen that before, you know? And right. so it's, right. it's having that experience and that in, in knowing your horse. So, yeah. 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 Oh, well, Casey, everything has been amazing. We can't thank you enough for all of your information. And um, if our listeners have any questions, how could they chat with you online? Sure. They can actually, um, they could follow me on Instagram or message me on Instagram. I'm pretty good about getting back with people. Um, it's Casey Perry Glass um, and or on, on Facebook. And then we also have uh, my website up. Um, which is www.kpg.com, I believe. Gosh, I might be wrong at that. I should probably look that up. Um, we'll, yeah. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it okay, in the show good. notes. Okay. Don't worry. Okay, good. I'm like, is it KPG dressage or KPG? I don't know. Um, Search but, her online. Yeah. She'll come up. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, <laughs> I'll come up. Don't worry. But yeah, just shoot me any kind of message and I'm, I'm always willing to answer questions. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Casey. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. And we're going to have a quick commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, an absolutely fantastic company. Um, And I thank them always for my shiny, beautiful horses. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. 
To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have, back by popular demand and listener request, Patty Mayer of Bailiwick <laughs> House in California. How are you, Patty? I'm great. We actually, I actually have, there's a little blue sky today, which is pretty amazing considering what's been going on. Yes. So, how have you been with the fires? First, let's just make sure you're okay before we get started. Uh, <laughs> the answer is we're fine. So far, no fires in this area. And so far, uh, we I just happen to be in this little valley that happens to have had okay air quality the whole time. I mean, uh, and lucky. today it's yeah. like we're green. It's fine. The sky is Good. blue. The breeze is blowing. I mean, I just lucked out. So, you know, Yay. But you know, right. blue Good. for everyone else, it's been so horrible. So oh, horrible. It's been, it's so, been terrible. Yeah, there you go. So we're glad we're glad you're safe along with everything else. We're glad you and the horses are okay. <laughs> um, but for people who don't know, we are we have been doing this segment, goodness, pretty much through the pandemic. We started this early yeah. on and uh, we had listener question basically ask us, you know, to kind of go through all the tests. Um, in the book and talk about some challenges that we find as trainers. Um, and we are all the way up to intermediate two. So if you, everybody's interested, mm-hmm. uh, the last couple months we've been working with Patty on this series and that's been very popular and everyone's having a great time doing it. So Patty, start us off. I mean, intermediate two, we're, we're getting up to scale now. Now it's getting real. We are, we're, we're heading to the end. <laughs> we are. Okay. We're gonna have to have like just, a champagne so, toast or something. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So I think if we just like start at the beginning and then start and like literally start at the beginning of the test and talk through Great. things we need to work on, and some of them I think we can breeze through because we've talked about some of these issues before, and yes. then some of them we should not breeze through. Like, oh my gosh, it's the first time you're going to show Piaf and Passage, so we should probably <laughs> focus on that a little bit. And just a little. And the half passes get a little intense. Um, other than, and other than that, it's, you know, same old, same old. Oh, yeah. And then there are ones. Yeah. Are <laughs> it's ones. a big so, jump. Just, just do so some Just more. saying. So it's a big jump. So there is, as we know, intermediate A and B, which are which ride a little funky. Um, so assuming you're going to skip those, which most folks do, you go straight from I1 to I2. And that was all you could do in the olden days. So it's quite, it is quite the shocker. <laughs> Yeah, hello. The upside welcome. is, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Welcome, to, welcome to upper levels. And um, the upside is, it's actually a beautifully written test. It rides great, and it fun. is. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun test. Yeah, it's it a really fun test. Drive. I mean, if, yeah. if you can get, yeah, if yeah. you can get the training, you know, the training, and like you get confident with your ones, and you, you know, and the PIA massage, right. and and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, I think it's, I love third level, and I love this test. Mm-hmm. And the rest, all yeah, the rest that makes of the sense. team is like, blah. I like the pre-St. George too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I like to get a good pre-St. Uh, George in there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, this is a great test. It makes sense to the horse. It makes sense to the riders. Okay, starting at a collected canter. We are going to halt immobility, salute, proceed collected trot to see. Okay, so that's the first movement. We have talked before about a couple of things. And just a reminder, my gosh, remember straightness in the canter. So you need, you know, for us, for me, and I do tons of center lines because if not, I get, I mean, if I don't really practice them, I get horrible at them super fast. I do two things. One is I consider which lead my horse is a little bit straighter on. And I try to enter on that one if I can. And I try to think shoulder four. 
I also, a lot of horses do what my FEI horse, I'm going to write this test on next week does, which is he halts and then he likes to take another step just because I don't know. And, <laughs> and, uh, he, which he, which he does at the canter, never did at the trot. Um, so I do, okay, maybe it's possible. I might use a little voice aid to just say, ho. I do that maybe a little. Um, and then the immobility, this is something you do need to train and you do need to remember they need to stay on the bit. And this is true throughout the levels. Um, if you are, you know, essentially a little slapdash as I am, and you just kind of halt, the reins get a little loose while you drop your reins, and then they start staring off into space, practice not doing that. So you should practice them staying very gently on the bit. I'm not saying a death grip. I mean, just a little bit focused on you. And then it really does need to go, you know, now we're at high levels. You need to go, need to go from that halt into a real trot. Um, and so however you train that transition, it is worth training it. Um, I train these things by taking both legs away. So my horses know that if I take both legs away, they are going to go forward uh, because I'm too old, fat, and lazy to kick hard, right? So I train them so that if I take both legs away, they are going to be like, oh, mommy means go. And, you know, I just off my arms and off they go. Um, I love it. I have an eventer uh, that goes mm -hmm. in her mind. She goes, three, two, one, blast off. <laughs> so <laughs> I yeah, gotta do that now because it kind of makes me just like, <laughs> just laugh because it's funny. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, three, two, one, blast off. And so when I train it, I literally say, three, two, one, blast off. Like, go. <laughs> so there you go. That's yeah, my eventer. They really need to be, you know, from a halt into a trot. And frankly, if it's a little less collected and a little more medium-y, fine. If it is hesitant, not fine, right? I mean, Agreed. you know, and again, typically you have a judge at sea. So if it's a little bit, a little bit bigger than you ideally would like, that they're going to forgive. I mean, if you have judges at B&E, they may not forgive it as much. But if you are slow into that trot, that is much less forgivable. And it's a silly place to lose points. Yeah. Sure. So, and absolutely trainable. Um, so then you're going to track left, HXF extended trot, F collected trot, F to A collected trot. So you're going around the corner. Nothing particularly new there, except again, just the quality is going to have to be getting better and better and the level of engagement better and better and the thrust better and better and the, you know, all of that stuff. And, and, and here they are not scoring a separate. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's collected to extended to collect. Yeah. And in, so, yeah. in this box, and it's the FA collected trot, and that's an important corner, actually. Talk yes, nice and deep in that corner. Yeah. Oh, and, and it is a, it's an important corner for two reasons. One, one is, you know, you're pretty pro by now, right? So you should be able to ride that three-meter corner, right? And right. the other thing is it's going to set you up for the next movement. So make yeah. sure you are balanced. And again, I like to think shoulder floor because shoulder floor is my happy place. Um <laughs> as yeah. I'm about to head down the center line. So the third movement, and I messed this up like anything the other day, so I'm going to talk about that. The third movement actually is something that you've ridden bits of before, but not this. Down the center line and between D and G, you have three half passes each to the quarter line, five meters to either side. So here are the places, and I was, I was showing under a friend of mine who is like a geometry goddess. <laughs> so... The following things happened. One is I put my outside leg too far back to start the half pass, so he cantered. 
Oh, yeah. So then you have a horse cantering in half pass. And then I was like, hmm. So I pushed his haunches out to see if I could get him trot, which they, which he didn't. And then I had to walk trot and pick it up again. And I also went past the quarter line that first time. I got a 3.5 and a double coefficient movement. Yeah. <laughs> that was That's not, it was not one of my ouch. best That's moments. It. No, ouch. Yeah. It, so again, this ouch. is a double super movement. Yeah, it's, it's a double, it's a double that's right. Mm-hmm. So and it's, I mean, obviously by this time you've been riding lots of half passes, right? So you know how to half pass and you've been riding, you know, you've started riding some zigzags anyway. So you do need to, you know, to have a change bend because it's quarter line to quarter line that judge at sea can really see the setup for the next half pass. Mm-hmm. So if you go past the quarter line, if you bulge out before changing to the next to the next half pass, they can see all that stuff. It's super easy for the judge to watch this and is super easy to mess it up. So to me, it's more, it's less about schooling, except to think again, the shoulder four is my happy place, except to think, oh, I'm going to do a shoulder four before I start over the next, the next side, because, you know, you can push their haunches in front of their forehand and a half pass. And again, that's an expensive mistake. Yeah, that's so big me, in that one, right? I mean, you have to really watch your placement and really, it's very easy for those haunches to fly to the inside before you even know it. Right. And you're like, oh, right. no. And then you have to fix it. And the boy, and they have yeah. seen it like anything. It's like a bright, shining <laughs> light. Yeah, um, beep. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A big strobe thing on you. So yeah. to me, the schooling should be, and again, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. I, my horses tend to half pass side and they tend to go sideways pretty well. So I want to sit to the inside, think shoulder. So coming down the center line, I sit to the inside, I think shoulder four for, you know, a stride or two. And then at D, I'm going to try to get over to the quarter line well before I need to. And next time I show this, I will not have my outside leg too far back. I will have it more at the girth. (laughs) So once I set it up, I'm not giving a canter aid like an idiot. The reason I want to get to the quarter line kind of early is I want to set up the shoulder for the next side before I dance it over. So I want to have that moment of straightening, changing bend, and having it look and be both like a dancer and like and like I'm not desperate. So to yeah. me, the key to this is making sure that you are sideways enough so that you're not having to change bend at the last minute. And I think we've talked about how to help horses learn to go sideways a little bit more. But, you know, our mentor Conrad, so a good Conrad Schumacher exercise is keeping going to the right, let's say, half pass, then a kind of fairly strong leg yield to an easy half pass to a fairly strong leg yield, all heading to the right. So that if you start, if the horse starts thinking, oh, mommy's about to counterflex me and I'm going to have to go faster, right? Then that tiny moment of the little counter of, of that tendency to a counterflexion means that they'll be going, oh, wait, mommy meant that I should go more sideways. Okay, I go more sideways. Right. And well, that's super helpful for them. It is. And, and just, you know, always remember the directive ideas are, are, you know, they're really important and they're on every test. But when they talk about actually one of the things is quality of trot, uniform bend, collection mm-hmm. balance, fluency from side to side. Right. It's legs, that one. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. And symmetrical, and symmetrical execution. execution. I mean, that's like that there, right, right. there, it tells you that. Yeah. And, and it's very hard because one uh, horses are always going to have a way they are going to go easier and they're going to bend easier. So you have to really yeah. watch from the judge's perspective that it, it will come up also in the zigzag, especially in the Grand Prix, that it looks oh, gosh, symmetrical. Yeah. yeah. And that's a whole, that's another right. day. But um, yeah, so right. no, I love that. So you finish, you track right. Now this is when Correct. the big dance starts, right? Woohoo! Okay, yeah. so we need to talk about schooling passage. Let's yep. talk about riding it, and then let's talk about schooling it. So you go from trot to passage, right? Yes. Think all, and, and again, the directives are fluency, promptness, self-carriage, balance, straightness. Here's the thing that I think gets you gets you towards all of those things. You need to think passage as up and forward. You need to think it as instead of it being, I am getting more collected, I'm pulling back. Think about pushing forward almost like you're about to do a medium and then asking for more hang time. To me, the the place where Passage gets everything other than what they ask for, right? It gets, it loses straightness, it loses promptness, it loses self-carriage, it loses balance, it loses fluency is when people think, oh, it's more collected, therefore I'm going to hang on the mouth a little bit more. To me, passage is about a half halt and a release. And I mean a real release. So that all you're doing is essentially making sure they stay round and through. But if you're holding them there, you're not going to get a passage. You're going to get something else, a trot, <laughs> typically, yeah. and sometimes yeah. not a straightforward trot. And their haunches will fly out the back. So you want to think about scooping their haunches up and underneath their shoulder blades in a forward, happy motion. So I think this is a good time to talk about teaching horses how to passage and pee off because we're about to get to pee off in a second. And we haven't really done that yet. Mm-mm. So, well, yeah, Patty, I was just going to say, and like all, all of these <laughs> things that you've said, uh, we actually had Lee Tubman on a week ago or two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Talked about from a judge's perspective, you know, mm-hmm. what is good passage, what is good PF. And we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about the training of it. And mm-hmm. you're saying mm-hmm. you're saying exactly what he was saying, right? Yes, so it's check not- out that I interview. I knew I liked Lee. Oh yes, my gosh, check I'm so out glad that interview. Because yeah. he's talking yeah. about so, that. So yeah, our yeah. listeners can can go back to that if they haven't heard it mm-hmm. yet, or or and we and we can just mm-hmm. touch on the points again. But uh, mm-hmm. you know what you're saying, it's a forward movement. It is not a forward you know, kick, kick yeah. and pull kind of thing. The, no. the mm-hmm. horses need to like yeah. to do it as well. I laugh oh, every God. time I ride massage. I love passage. Yeah. It's my favorite thing to yeah. ride. It makes me laugh. So I fun. always get in trouble because I'm going too long in passage because mm-hmm. I'm like, I love this. And then, but I think yeah. also with passage is just remembering that it really tires horses out in the back as well, you yeah. know, because they have to drive so fo- so much under that you can tire mm-hmm. a horse out in the back. And I have found that with yeah. the I2 because they're usually greener horses that are doing the I2. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that is because you really have to get that back up because you're going between R and B, you yeah. do your transition to passage. So they give you a little time. Then you head yep. to the diagonal. And then mm-hmm. on the diagonal, crossing the center line, you have eight to 10 steps of piaf. And you are allowed to move forward in the I2. And that's actually very important. One meter. Right? One yeah. meter. Yeah. So you don't have to so- kick it on the spot. Yeah, and don't don't put them on the don't, spot if they're young. Don't keep them on so, the spot. couple. So 
I'll, let me, I'll give you some examples of a couple of my horses. Um, so, my, you know, my big famous horse, Exact, who Reese knew very well, right? Yeah. He could, I mean, because he had this incredible, crazy, good extended trot and was powerful as anything. Um, I taught, I made the mistake of teaching him to passage first, basically when he was four, cause he could, and I did it from the medium and I just half halted the medium and there he was. Here was the issue. Uh, you know, he was a long, like a freight train and it took him a long time to learn to sit in the piaf. And most people will tell you, you should teach the piaf first. And then from that inch out to the passage. I'm because the passage comes earlier in this test. I think it's worth chatting about how to teach passage. And I first, and I think that there are, I mean, there are a, a zillion ways to do this, right? A lot of people like having someone on the ground to tap them on the, um, just on the shin a little bit or to ask them to, or if you have someone on the ground with a whip in front of them to ask their front legs, come and meet that whip. And often they will then pick up their front legs a little higher. There are people who use bamboo poles for that. Not something I'm super happy about. I mean, I just personally am not comfortable with it, but like a trillion people who are better than I am do it all the time and are fine with it. And the idea is to give the horse the concept, right? It's not, that's not how you train it to an aid, but if you can kind of say, this is what I'd like you to do with your body and give them a path, then they can, it, sometimes it helps them figure it out. I tend to do this under saddle more than with someone on the ground for good or for ill. By the way, I can't tell you that this is the right way or the wrong way. I just tend to. And I tend to do it from either a stretchy trot, like I post. I'll do a stretchy trot to a medium trot, a stretchy trot to an extended trot. And then from that, I half halt them back and up and release. So I will, I mean, it's a tiny, quick half halt and a release just to get them their shoulder up. I like, because I tend to buy horses with very upright necks. I do tend to do this in the posting trot and I do tend to do it from a rounder gait because, and that's just because of the type of horses I tend to ride. By way of example, my horse Cato, that was not the way we did it with him. He had a super, at that time, a really good piaf, because I did piaf first with him, because I had learned, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we yeah. inched the piaf up and forward. And so I, and I also have a slightly different way I sit between piaf and passage, and everyone does, but everyone can do it a little differently. So I, and again, whatever, this is the way I do it. Um, I am a little bit lighter in my seat with my knees a little bit more in, in the piaf as I am in the pirouette. And I am a little heavier with my heels way down and my legs long. And if I need to, I take my legs away in the passage. I want them to, I want to sit with essentially, uh, how can I say this? Not a heavy seat, never a pushing seat, an allowing seat that allows them to spring up underneath me. And again, to me, the, the way you can, the way you can have a horse who does passage and make them not is to either push, push with your seat too hard or pull with your hands too hard. It has got to be balance and lighten and balance and lighten. Yeah. And if that's every stride for a year, who cares? All you're doing is asking them to balance and push. Yeah. And I, but if but you I also hold them, you're going to mess it up. And I also think, you know, the thing about Piaf massages, it's not like 
you go today, you're passaging, right? Or today you're piaffing, Over right? the course of years. This is the over the course of years. And I think that's really important yeah. to remember that mm-hmm. this is, this is, you know, we're talking about it now because we're talking about the test, but, you know, starting right. half steps with a four or five-year-old just playing with it is not yeah. out of the question. It's actually better in a lot of ways to to do it early so that when you get to this level, it's not like, okay, today we're doing this. And I think that's yeah, really no, important course, yeah. question. And in that idea of sort For of sure. taking the spring and collapsing spring and letting the spring out with their body, that happens for, again, years, like we practice that going yeah. up and down the hills with all the horses. Like, can you spring forward? Can you bring back? Can you do it over poles? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of mm-hmm. different concepts for them so that right. when you get to like getting a little more formal with the passage, it's not such a thing. You know, you're like, okay, here, this right. is how you do this. And they're like, oh, okay. Right. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, it, but I think that was a real important thing to, to add here because right. I think where people get into the most trouble with the PF massages, maybe it's their first time teaching it. Or like you said, you made a mistake with exact. I mean, he, he passaged in normally, like his trot right. was basically yeah. a normal horses passage. So he just yeah. by nature was given that. Uh, but mm-hmm. in the, in they have a tendency that to they'll do one or the other. I, at least Better, in my, yeah. I found that Phil, how about you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, have one yeah, that I think, really I think well. Or, a, yeah. An important concept that the entire time you're riding your horse from when it's three, three years, four years old or whatever, you're developing the tools that you need. The rest of the time is you're just strengthening the horse. So eventually he can do it. Right. Yes. You know, right. and, 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 you're, and you're something, just, you're you know, teaching them to balance through half from the time you get on them. Yeah, and right. all this is, is a half and, and right. mainly half fault implies release. Half fault includes release. It's not hold. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Half halt should always, is not done until you've released. Mm-hmm. And so, right. yeah. And, and I love, uh, Patty, I love your point about sitting light because I think lots of riders, not that they try to sit heavy, but they're, they're really, you know, getting down and, and using their driving seat because they want all yeah. this more energy, Doesn't work. but, but especially mm-hmm. in the beginning, you need to sit light. So the horse is not, it can't push up against your driving down seat. They're like, well, yeah. if you're driving down Ow. on my back, I, I'm discouraged from lifting my back. Right. So right. that's why you said so, with, with posting, you like, and, and reset, mm-hmm. like it's really, it's really tough through their back to be able to do these movements. So right. yeah, get off of the back. Yeah. Get off. Yeah. It doesn't right. help. And, yeah. you know, and I mean, maybe, maybe you want yeah. to add a little bit more half halt and, and sit a little heavier just to help your stability, but that's, that's not going to help your horse learn and develop and be encouraged to get the back up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. That's more important than right. stop, 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 you know, or right. whatever. Right. But, and, and I it's mean, why, it's why those people with incredible posture and people with incredible abs where they can really lift their lift their um, rib cages away from their hips a little bit. They can really sit up straight. Horses pee off and passage for those people because there's space to do that. That's the difference, right? When you're a professional rider or the more, I mean, I have a very different take on it than when Patty and I were in Germany and I was learning how to do it. You know, yeah. you, you as a rider, you have to learn how to do it. you got to ride a lot of horses. And then when you start to teach it, like you said, now all three of us will sit on horses because all three of us want Grand Prix horses at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so we have in our mind, like what we're after, what we're looking for, 
we're going to, you may see your trainer riding around and like, yeah, good boy. And you're like, why did they pet them? Well, they just felt something that they're going to need later in life, you know, like, so I think that was just my biggest point here is like, this is just something, you know, we can't cover in, in a 30 minute segment really, but we can tell you that as you're going through and you're developing horses, you will learn the more you, the more horses you teach, the more you're looking to do this early. So when it's appropriate for the horse, but yeah, I think it's, it's natural to the horse. You can watch them PF passage out in the paddock when they're proud of themselves and they're feeling Mm -hmm. good. Um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Just like you said, I, you know, that's an important point too. Like if you get to a horse show and the horse is a little excited and they, they give you a little passage, don't yes. bang them in the ribs and good jerk boy. them out. Don't do that. We're going to use that. We're going to use that <laughs> later. Right? This yeah. is good. good. Yeah, right? for sure. Don't punish for them sure. for, you know, for th- these oh, kinds yeah. of things that they want to express themselves. It's just say, no, not the time for that, buddy. Yeah. Good Take job. But let's just swap. Leave, it, leave, it in, <laughs> yeah. leave it in your mind and, and yeah. sort of, uh, you know, so. That's a good point. Well, I am loving this discussion. It's fantastic. Um, But we're going to cut this interview and hold it for next week uh, and talk about the canter work for the intermediate too. So Patty, how can we find you online? There you go. I'm reachable on Facebook, Patty, P-A-T-T-Y, Mayor. Um, I have a barn called Bailiwick House, B-A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K house, H-O-U-S-E. My email crazily is baileywickhouse at gmail.com, or you can call or text at 310-729-3365. Well, Patty, stay safe and good luck at your horse show next week. Thanks. I'll talk to you all soon. Well, Phil, you've got a great total saddle fit idea from one of our listeners. I mean, uh, when people, you know, write into us, we love it. And when they write in with testimonials about the products that we recommend, we like it even more, basically. I mean, we just love it because, True. you know, these products that we use from Total Saddle Fit and from Kentucky Performance Products, they're part of our lives and we, we really feel good about recommending them. So um, I'm going to just share a little email from one of our listeners who said that they just just have gotten the Total Saddle Fit Stability Stirrup Leathers. She says that when she first rode with the leathers, she realized midway through the ride that she was actually setting the trot better. After the ride, she thought about it and it dawned on her that she had a much more stable position of the legs and helped her to deal with using her seat better. Uh, very often, she's now able to forget about her legs because they're, they're, the, the leathers are helping them just stay more stable. There's been a few rides since then and the leathers have been very helpful. So thank you so much for, for writing in to tell us because it, ma- it makes us feel great. And we pass that along to Justin at Total Saddle Fit because he's the one putting his effort and his sweat and tears into a, a company that we love. Fantastic. Well, it makes me happy and it's so true. Uh, and we use the, sa- we use the, the girths and the stability stirrup leathers every day and, and they're truly amazing products. So thanks for sending that in. We love it. And we're going to come back with a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, a little bit of a yoga tip with Kathy Woods. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. 
Well, tonight for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have Kathy Woods on. She is the author of Yoga for Riders. And Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're we're excited and we were chatting offline. I have, uh, it kind of was a personal challenge to start with yoga for 30 days for me. And it is now, oh gosh, September. And I have been pretty good staying on the yoga path uh, for this year. And it really has been for me personally, sort of a life-changing uh, exercise, mental health exercise, however you want to call it. Uh, during COVID, it's been so nice to spend half an hour every day on the mat. So I am a yogi now, I guess you can say that. I don't know. Or I'm a beginner, yes. but <laughs> we are so happy to have you. I'm, I'm fangirling you now because I'm so excited about my own yoga journey. So tell us about yourself and, and how you Thank started you. your journey. Yeah, and I'm happy to hear about your journey because it is just such a wonderful wellness path um, on so many levels on and off the mat, and, and it will snowball and keep evolving, um, and it's just a wonderful practice, and it really does help level the playing field a little bit and, and act as a counterbalance to all the, the stressful times we're encountering in our, our world right now. So it's it's definitely a tool um, for wellness and for self-care, so congratulations for getting on the, the yogic path. Welcome. <laughs> yes. And no, it, it truly is. And I think, I think for riders, you know, you don't realize riders are not that flexible and don't do enough. We stretch our horses. I stretch every horse every day and I make sure they get on the TheraPlate and I make sure they do their carrot stretches and they get their massages, but riders are typically not good at that. So how did, how did you start this, this journey for yourself? Well, my journey of yoga really started at a very young age, which I do mention a little bit about that story in my book, Yoga for Riders. Um, so I've always had some interest and involvement um, with yoga. And uh, so I got on board on that path very early in life. And I've actually been teaching for 30 years now. Um, and I always say it's a good job to have because it never really feels like a job. It's a practice that I love and I enjoy sharing it with people and I use it in my own life and I love seeing how it works in the lives of other people and how life-changing it can be. Um, so that was really my longer part of, of my teaching journey, like I said, 30 years. Um, but about 12 years ago, my two passions converged, and that's yoga and horsemanship. Um, I'm not a horse trainer. I'm not a riding instructor, but I am a very avid trail rider here in the Smoky Mountains and actually around the country. I've done a fair amount of riding. And I was um, noticing probably about 12 years ago that what I was really doing in my yoga practice, I was applying to my horsemanship and not just the physical part of it, not just the stretching, but I was noticing, you know, the, the deep breathing that we do on the yoga mat. I was transferring that to my saddle. If I felt challenged, I would notice I'd start holding my breath and I would remind myself to breathe more deeply and fully. Um, I was becoming aware of what energy space 
space that I was in when I would go down to my barn and um, my interactions with my horses would change according to my energy. If I was centered and grounded, we would have one experience. If I was nervous and scattered or sleepy and tired, we would have a different experience. And these are all things that we um, practice on the yoga mat in the whole of yoga. So yoga, I always tell people, it is not just about the postures. Um, That's kind of what I call the uh, westernized version of yoga, where people think it's just about the physical. But a lot of times the external practice of yoga leads to what I call the internal practice of yoga. Um, Some of the other limbs or aspects of yoga are meditative awareness, breath work, breathing awareness, present moment awareness, energy awareness, and those are all things that tie into horsemanship. And that was how the birth of my body-mind equine program started. Well, and also I think when you start doing yoga, you do become more aware of your alignment. Uh, That's something that was really like kind of in a way life-changing for me because I was standing, for example, and and I was like, well, what is your right hip doing? I was like, oh, oh, Mm -hmm. that is not good. My right hip is not in alignment. And, And you learn a little bit more about that and you learn to be aware of that. And I think that's something that can help every rider because you, once you become yeah. aware, oh, you're out of alignment or your hip is here or, you know, you, you're like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I yeah. think that that becomes important, right? For sure. You've, you nailed it, Reese. Really, I always say yoga is not about athletics. It's not about competition. Um, it's, it's really an awareness practice. If I had to use one word to describe what yoga is, I use the word awareness because we become more aware of ourselves, body, mind, and spirit on the mat. And then we start to carry that more heightened and integrated awareness off the mat and into not just our horsemanship, but into our daily lives. Again, learning to be more present, learning to be more aware of our energy, and um, it's just, it's a really likely pairing with horsemanship, the physical part for sure, because as you mentioned, just being aware of your body um, is, is huge when you're riding or even around horses, and on the mat, you, the more you do yoga, the more you start to self-correct, you realize, oh, my feet really aren't under my hips or my arms really aren't at shoulder height and you you start to self-correct and I was noticing that I was doing that in the saddle as well like most riders do but they may not equate it to yoga like perhaps my feet or or my weight is not symmetrical in each stirrup or I'm not really sitting on my sitting bones or my shoulders are tight up around my ears so uh, you would have those tools then from the yoga mat to start doing those self-corrections um, in your horsemanship as well. Yeah. And, and as an instructor, as a riding instructor, I think for me, it's actually helped a lot because, you know, that's what you're listening to when you do your yoga is your alignment and how you can change your body and how you need to pay attention. So I think for me yeah. that as an instructor, it's been very helpful in learning and learning and translating that to my students as well. So I, I, right. I'm a believer. I think it's so good. And like you said, the breathing, <laughs> It, it, you know, I think people don't realize, you know, when you're tense, you're not breathing. Um, yeah. And then there are a lot of ways to breathe and a lot, you know, and, and, and when yes. you start doing yoga, you learn that and you're like, wow, this is, this is really helpful. So that's I, right. I, and 
Yeah, and I was going to say there's such a direct link, too, between our breath and emotions. Uh, anytime we become anxious, fearful, angry, nervous, our breath pattern changes to a short, shallow rhythm. And, of course, horses are such highly in tune beings. They can feel us breathing or holding our breath, and the breath work in yoga has the ability to refine and calm our nervous system, and certainly our equine partners can pick up on that, and um, it's certainly beneficial to be more calm and centered and to learn to use the breath as a tool when fear arises or nervous energy arises um, in our horsemanship. So, Kathy, I wanted to know what was what was the inspiration to writing a book, you know, going from doing this to writing a book about it? And, and how did you how were you able to go about that? And what are you hoping that people get from your book? Thank you for asking that. Um, so the program originated as what I call Body, Mind, Equine, and I would go to various equestrian centers, ranches, resorts, equine expos around the country, and I still do that. Hopefully, post-COVID, I'll be picking that back up again. Um, but that was sort of the, the beginning of this, and then I would be writing articles and blogs, and um, I was a presenter at Equine Affair a couple of years ago, and I became aware of Trafalgar Square Books, which is also horseandriderbooks.com. I picked up one of their cards, and I came home, and I called them, and I said, hey, I've got this great idea for a book. I've written some articles, but I've never written a book before, and uh, they had me submit a um a submission of three chapters and an outline, and they liked it, and from there decided to go ahead and um, agree to publish my book. So my hope is that this adds something wonderful to the equine and yoga world. I think on the whole, life in general is becoming, people are becoming more um, tuned into mindfulness, and I have certainly seen that over the years um, with equestrians, that the type of training and communicating with your horse and biomechanics of the horse, there's just so much more um, heightened consciousness of riding and horsemanship as a whole. So I feel like yoga um, just supports that. So I feel like it's a really good time to share this this book. And it really turned out to be such a comprehensive book. It's so much more than just the postures. I do have about 40 different exercises in there, but some of the chapters are about energy and about um, setting intentions and chapters on breath work. So it's, it's a pretty comprehensive book. Um, so I'm really excited to share it with the world, see what it can, can add. I love it. Well, we are also a huge fan of Trafalgar Square and horseandriderbooks.com here on the program as well. So Kathy, how can our listeners find the book and find you online? Yeah. So um, my website is Kathy, and that's Kathy with a C, Kathy Woods yoga.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as Kathy Woods Yoga. And if you go onto my website, there's a link on there where you can purchase Yoga for Riders, which is my book, and that takes you to horseandriderbooks.com. So it can be purchased there on their site. It's also available on Amazon and other platforms as well, but certainly I'm um, directing people to my publisher. So horseandriderbooks.com or again, kathywoodsyoga.com, and you can link over to, to purchase the book. And then on my website, you'll learn a lot about me and 
the different programs that I offer and some little videos on there about what I do. And I've also recently created a YouTube channel that's Kathy Woods Yoga. And within that, there'll be a playlist, um, Yoga for Writers TV. So I'm putting some little tutorials from the book um, in video format as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to checking out the book. Great. Thank you all so much. It was a pleasure to speak with all of you and I appreciate you having me on. So thanks again. Well, as always, we really, truly love email and Facebook shout outs. That's what we're here for. That's what we're, we're doing this show to help you guys in any way we can. So we love it when you, when you call us or, or send us emails. We love it. Well, as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and stay safe. And we can't wait to talk to you next week. 